Gather round, one and all, and listen to tales of excitement and adventure. Tales of daring heroes, savage monsters, and bards who just couldn't keep it in their pants. Tales of friendship, nobility, drunken foolishness, and unforgettable fun. These are tales of role-playing games, fair listeners, and this is Rollin' Bones. My name is Ryan Howard, and I shall be your god. I'm going to assume that they can hear us. Um, <laughs> okay. We've we've already been unprofessional enough as it is. So of if course. this persists and you guys uh, can't hear us, just uh, just let me know. And again, let me know if I sound like a robot. So uh, Caleb, welcome to Rolling Bones. As always, we are uh, up to our usual standard of polish here. Um, and uh, for those of you who can now just now hear us, uh, Caleb is of course the uh, the GM for uh Sounds Like Crows which is a uh, a Deadlands actual play podcast. Is that is that an accurate description of your show Caleb as I drop my phone? It, it is. I would also say that we're uh we're doing Savage Worlds and not Deadlands Classic, which is hugely <laughs> disappointing to many Deadlands fans I've heard over the years, but uh <laughs> we uh we're enjoying Savage Worlds. It's a great system. Uh super fun but yeah yeah we uh we play a show um all the player characters are brothers and their mom gets murdered and they kind of have to figure out who did it while they all hate each other um it's been really cool we've played through um deadlands reloaded into uh getting having suede getting released and now the deadlands kickstarter uh, and we're excited to switch over to those rules uh whenever we have like a workable uh rule set in hand pretty hyped about that Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as a as a uh, Kickstarter backer at this point, uh, you know, for everyone who is at Marshall level or higher on that Kickstarter campaign, uh, we do have the pre-release rules right now. Um, I've decided not to review them yet because, as Shane said in the update, you know, this is pre-release. Uh, this is not a final product yet, so no review until we have something, you know, closer to the final product, just so everyone out there knows. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, I'm not sure when we're going to switch over either. I don't know what edition. Swayed very quickly uh, after that Kickstarter finish got to the point where like, it was great. And we just worked off the PDF for a long time. Mm-hmm. Although I miss having a physical book in hand. But <laughs> we do a Swayed now. Just be the same journey with the Deadlands books again. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Caleb, we're going to start off this interview the same way we start all of these interviews. I've got these questions that everyone gets asked, and so we're going to start at the very beginning. How did you get into RPGs? Uh, my brother Isaac um, would, uh, oh man, there's like three stories I could tell. Uh, I don't know which one I haven't told yet. Um but uh, I'll tell the most sappy one. When I was a kid, when I was like five or six, my oldest brother uh, 
in in a tradition similar to the characters in this show we all had bunk beds there were four of us in one room uh we were all two years apart he was the oldest and uh he would tell us these these stories which were kind of like loosely adapted from books that he had just read that he was stealing wholesale from and then we would kind of get to make these choices and go through them and we'd have fun doing that and then one day he showed up and he was like, hey, there's there's like a game we can do that's like that where I don't have to like do this dumb thing. We can like roll dice and yada, yada. Um, and so he got me into that. He brought me to this uh, like 3.5 D&D game when I was like eight or nine and really pissed off the GM. It was bad, man. Uh, at one point, the GM, I was playing a cleric. The GM uh, literally said, let's take a break where the cleric figures out what the hell he's going to do and then stands up and walks away from the table. Uh, and then um, he got real busy and he couldn't GM anymore. So he talked me into GMing when I was like uh, 13 or something. And then I just sort of been running games for a long time with very few breaks. Oh, that is fantastic. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine... Uh, I know, like, from, from the perspective of an eight-year-old, you know, just, just a whole bunch of older guys just being super pissed off at you while you're trying <laughs> to have fun. I, I understand where that, you know, that, that can cause some consternation. But on the other side of it, 3.5. Yeah. And an eight-year-old shows up at the table. Yeah, and he didn't tell him either. Like, I showed up, which, uh, man... Yeah, I, I, as a GM, I totally understand. I think I would be pretty upset if one of my players brought their eight-year-old brother to the table without telling me. Uh, but, you know, it was fine. Worked out. Just never played with that guy again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I think I could deal with it in 5th edition. 5th uh, edition's pretty simple to, to teach people. Yeah. Uh, but 3.5, no. no. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um so yeah, I did that for a while, man. Just uh, hosted a bunch of games. Um, was kind of like the permanent GM for a while. My brother ran some games when he got out of college. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Just anyone that will play with me, I generally have run games for until we started this podcast. And then my free time went uh, out the window. You know, <laughs> so I'm sure you're aware. <laughs> Gibson Taylor in the chat. Claret cast puberty. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, you're, you're, it's three point five. You're gonna have to take greater puberty. Yeah, yeah. And there's probably some like you know spell components. I'm making that shit up. I don't know. I don't know. I don't remember three point five very well. And then I'm pretty sure I know the answer to this question, but of course everyone gets the chance to answer for themselves. So, what is your favorite game system of all the ones that you've played? Uh, Dread pretty easily uh um you know i love savage worlds it's a great system however uh if you're talking about sort of like peak pretentious like if you were a game critic if i was a game critic mm -hmm. i would choose dread because it it everything it wants to do it does perfectly and without any like i don't know what the word is but the the system 
does exactly what it wants to do with no tangents, with no parts that you don't like. It uses just the space it needs. And I've never had such a consistent time at the table than playing Dread. Like it just consistently makes a good horror game regardless of the players or the GM, in my opinion. If you follow the rules, it just makes everyone tense up and stressful, uh, which I think is really cool from a a game design perspective. Uh, The topic of playtime, it's probably Savage Worlds at this point, for sure. Uh, Maybe 3.5, I ran a West Marches game where we ran like 60 sessions in six months. And then uh, I ran a few campaigns outside of that in fifth edition of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, But Savage Worlds, we've been playing for a long time on and off, sort of switching between that and whatever, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons was out at the time or Pathfinder, which have you, you know, standard fantasy fair for, for those people that want to play fantasy, you know, Alex looking at you, buddy. (laughs) Now uh, I've, I've never actually gotten the chance to play dread. Typically when people talk about horror games, of course they're talking about call of Cthulhu, but that is, Mm. that's interesting. I'm going to have to see if I can try out a session of, of dread as a player. It's well, it's it's in person only. I won't spend a huge amount of time pitching the game, but you play with a Jenga tower and then every time you make a skill check in a normal RPG, you just pull a brick. And if you knock over the tower, uh, your character dies during that action. Uh, And that's that's the whole game. Uh, So it's very uh, simplistic. Um, That's brilliant. It's really good, uh, but you only can play in person, which is the downside. But, you know, if we're at the same convention, dude, hit me up. Absolutely. I will run track. Man, that's like the the tension that's already present in a game of Jenga plus yeah. you know, spooky <laughs> yeah. stories. So that's yeah. perfect. Yeah, I love man. that. It's really good. Uh, yeah. I love that Lo- so much. Love you, though, Savage Worlds. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> A lower stress level version of Jenga. (laughs) (laughs) Not to keep going on a Jenga tangent, but I've seen uh, Jenga played with uh, chess clocks, and that makes me really want to play Jenga with chess clocks. Mm -hmm. Like where you only have a minute on each side seems pretty cool. Yep. And if you'll indulge me for one more tangent, I just have this burning question deep within my soul. Ever (laughs) since I've heard of the concept of a West Marches game, I've yeah. always wondered, you know, logistically, how do you manage that? I talked about it on the podcast with Luke Hart of the DM layer. He had the same question. So as someone who's run a West Marches game, logistically, how do you manage that? Um, do you want me to break down like scheduling or prep work or like running the game itself? What do you so, think? So scheduling, I, I feel like that's kind of the in a way the simplest because you know you you have all your player schedules you know kind of who can do when and you just put those together i want to know prep wise how do you how do you deal with that oh man um <clears throat> the idea would be in an ideal world um you would front load it um i could either talk about how i did it or how i would do it in the future so i'll probably talk about that uh you just before you start the game, you've literally just got to spend like three months just grinding out prep work. And I think a lot of it to me was I would 
do really bare bones stuff and then come up with the rest of the stuff at the table. Or if I had a really good idea, sometimes there'd be a fully written out realized dungeon. Um, but most of the time it was not, it was, Hey, here's some cool monsters. Here's the idea of the dungeon, figure it out when the players get there. And then I just sort of on the fly, uh, put together encounters and stuff while looking at my computer and pretending to look at notes. Um, I think I ended up with about 50 or 60 pages of prepped content and each uh, location on a hex was normally about half a page. So um, I think a lot of it's you just got to be willing to improvise and really like everyone's kind of coming to the table expecting to die or expecting to kind of have a suboptimal D&D experience. It's not really a normal game of Dungeons and Dragons. So um I, I don't know, man, front load the prep and uh, hope they don't go in one direction way further than you expected them to. Uh, a large part of it, too, near the end was uh, players would tell me where they were planning to go. And once you lay out the groundwork of they've scouted enough, the scouting session sort of stopped for us and it became, okay, we're going to go clear that tower. And then I could go in there, see half the page that I wrote and then turn that into an adventure, like kind of scaled to where it was and the locate and the level of the players that were coming in. Um, but mostly a lot of lying to the players about uh, how much I have prepped. Uh, so yeah, uh, there's no good way. There's no good way. I can't imagine actually prepping out three locations for every like 12 mile by 12 mile hex on a board. It was crazy. Um, I think what I do in the future is uh, give them paths, sort of make it linear instead of uh, you start, uh, how I did it was they started on the coast and they could just sort of progress west. And I think that was a mistake. I think I would have made these slivers that they could choose to go down and have each of those be a biome that, you know, gets more advanced as they go along. But what did I know? It's fine. Gotcha. Yeah. So you've talked a little bit about this, uh, this first character of yours, the, uh, the cleric. That you brought to yeah. the table. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. Do you remember the cleric's name? Yeah, I did what every new player to D and D does, whereas you just take your screen name and throw it on a character, and then kind of hope that's a good <laughs> character name. Uh, so I did Corso, Corso from uh, what was that movie that ended where the the planet's name was Bob Titan AE? Maybe it's like I an animated think movie. So yeah, yeah, Titans A Titan AE. Yep. I think the main character's name was Corso. So. Mm -hmm. uh, the name was Corso, and I figured I didn't know anything, so I was just like, they're 18, they're just out of cleric school, and they're going to show up. It was great. Uh, the magic, I don't know what it was for you, because I feel like everybody has this magic moment in D&D &D where at least the people that, not D&D, &D, in RPGs, and tabletop RPGs, where you first kind of realize that you can do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. uh, and for me, it was in that game where I had the light spell and I was just sort of imagining like casting a light and it would floating along with us. And the GM was like, no, you got to You got to cast it on something. And I was like, like anything, like I could do my armor. He's like, yeah, just put it on an object. I don't care what it is. And so I, okay. I'm like, okay, well I'll cast it on my armor. And he's like, great. You know, cleric lights up like a Christmas tree. Great. And then 10 minutes later, the, my brother-in-law, this rogue, was sneaking ahead. And then we were all following behind. 
And he's like, great. Well, your stealth roll doesn't matter because everybody sees the cleric. Roll initiative. (laughs) 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 Which, you know, he should have done a better job explaining it. But Mm -hmm. it was it was a cool moment for me to be like, oh, shit, I did that. You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that seems like just. I mean, first of all, it sounds like that guy was a bad GM, but it seems like this is a moment of I am going to show this kid just how unwelcome he is at this table by screwing over every (laughs) single other person here. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Screw that guy. I don't know his name, but go to hell. (laughs) And so in, in the games that you've done since then as a GM and, you know, running multiple different games, a lot of GMs have NPCs that travel with them from game to game. So do you have a forever NPC? Oh man. Um, no, uh, I can't even think of one that's, uh, gone between games. Um, do, do you have one of those? Do you do that? I, I do. I okay. I've got, it's, it's my first player character. Um, my current Saturday group has already made jokes about his name is Cromwell McGuinn and they've already encountered two different versions of him from two different realities. And they've already made jokes about going into the Cromwell verse. So, (laughs) yeah, it just, I don't know. I never had anybody that stuck with me. I did bring back one of my PCs um, to the start of this other game uh, with the intention that one of the other players would kill him. And uh, he did, and it made my brother very upset because he really liked that character, and I just got him murdered. It's very exciting. Yep, and as Elfie is alluding to in chat, uh, for multiple sessions up until just recently, and even that's kind of pushing it, they still quite don't quite trust him. They think that Cromwell's the bad guy. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, that's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And so when it comes to GMing and it comes to playing, you know, we all come to the table with different styles of play. How would you describe your style as a GM and as a player? Um, as a player, I don't know how to break it down. Um, as a player, something I like to do is uh, be as well. First of all, I just like to be generous to other people and try to help out other people and uh, try to create conversations that if I know they care something about their character, like if they're sitting in the corner of camp and they're reading this book, I'll be like, Hey, what are you reading over there? You know, that sort of thing. Um, I really like trying to do arcs for characters within every, um, session. Um, I generally, my opinion is going to change on this a bunch, but right now being a player is like a little bit boring for me, especially when you get beyond that, like three player mark, you know, mm-hmm. going from GM where you're like the bottle gap of all action to being a player. Um, it's just a little bit of a, a bummer sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. So I try to get around that by uh, trying to figure out how I can make my character have a little arc within uh, every single session. And that's pretty challenging. Um, as a GM, I'd say the distinguishing stuff I have from most other people I've played with, or at least watched or listened to, um, be that I really like the players to have as much agency as humanly possible. Like in an ideal world, I would talk for 30% of a session. Um, and obviously that's not, uh, possible most of the time. Um, but I really like setting up 
people in a way where they feel encouraged to do that sort of thing. Like something I always say when new players play with me is I'll go, Hey, if, if you want something that makes sense, just say you have it. You don't have to go, Hey man, is there like a chandelier in this bar? Be like, yeah, there's a chandelier. Cool. So I want to like kind of, is it high? Is it low enough that I can jump up and grab it? I don't want that. I just want, so I'm going to try to run up and jump off like a a table that's in this room, jump up to the chandelier and and swing across to attack this guy. Um, So I think that's, that's something I think that uh, differentiates me from other people. And then, um, just trying to put as much of the story in their hands as uh, as possible and try to get them to give me as many descriptions as possible too, as opposed to me describing every death that occurs in a fight, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of, <clears throat> I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that that as GMs we can kind of, you know, streamline. Um yeah. And especially if it's like a, a, a rule of cool situation where, you know, the player has a really cool idea for that chandelier. If they can just reach up and grab it, then might as well give it to them. Yeah, for real. Uh, something I always talk about is uh, if if the mechanical effect would be no different, why do we care? Mm-hmm. You know, like if if someone wants to pick up a chair and smash someone with it, I kind of feel that that should do the same damage as like a regular attack should do. You know, you shouldn't penalize players for creativity. If anything, it should be the opposite. Yeah. Which I think Savage Worlds does pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. And just to, just to catch up with a chat going on here, uh, Gibson has discovered the, uh, the math of uh, why you shouldn't trust the GM. And uh, Tanta Claus would like to let you know that he loves you. Ah, uh, thanks, thanks, Tanta Claus. You're the best, man. Dang. Uh, yeah, Ed, Ed, Jason. Yeah, you cannot trust. I okay. J- can we go? Can we go uh, off off questions here Absolutely. for a second? Can I pose Absolutely. this question Let's to you? I don't think I've said this on air. Okay. I think you have an obligation as a GM to lie to your players out of game and in game it's like a magic trick it's like you're any any amount of lying is fine if it justifies the players having a better time at the table what do you think yeah what do you think that seems reasonable yeah yeah up until like after it happens if someone comes up to like after a session if it's not going to unravel later stuff if someone comes up and asks you point blank at that point, sure, be honest, but up until then, like the whole, t- yes, definitely, definitely keep things under wrap, obfuscate, and uh, and 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 lie to your players if necessary. Cool. Okay. Great. I didn't know if that was a hot take or not. I've been thinking that for years, and I didn't know if anyone would feel that's uh, morally unacceptable. But at least you and me will go down together. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> And if anyone asks us, because we are uh, pathological liars in that sense, we can uh, uh, just tell them someone else said it on a different stream. And uh, Yes, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Said it to somebody else. And the video and audio record of this will, uh, I, I don't know. Well, we can alter it. We can alter it. We can yep. figure that out. Yeah, yep. this is a high uh, production value show. Yep. Absolutely, yes. Yes, uh, as you can tell by our stellar audio at the beginning. This <laughs> the fact that both of us have blankets in the background, yeah. <laughs> which I, 
and typically I have a cat. So okay, that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. My my wife took the dogs so they would not interfere because they would. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of good memories that show up at the table. Um, those of us who've dedicated so much of our our time and energy to this game, we have a lot of these good memories. If you had to pick one, what would it be? What's your fondest RPG memory? Oh my God, dude. That is, uh, um, who's your favorite child? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I could take something from the show for sure. Um, Oh, man, that would be a funny story also is really difficult, you know, um, but I would say any any chance that I get to uh, surprise people at the table is uh, something I'm, I'm pretty happy about. Um, I'm going to pick on my friend Alex here. Uh, he uh, he once like he was like, hey, man, I'm not feeling this character. I got to bring a new character into the game. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, cool. Yeah, not a problem. So he builds this character and they're like a, an orc who has like a velociraptor as a pet. And it's very like Klingon, very wharf, very, uh, I am the biggest, baddest uh, warrior in the room, you know? And uh, we talked at the time we were working together. So we'd been talking for like two weeks about this character and he had this whole introduction in his mind. And I was like, great, it's perfect. I'll bring you out right in the middle of a fight that like they're kind of doing badly at, and you can come out and you can just ruin their competition and we'll show off how cool you are. Uh, and then the first thing that happened was uh, they were attacked by this swarm of uh, crows, funnily enough, uh, in Pathfinder. And then he comes running out of the wood line, goes to charge them. They attack him, and he immediately becomes blinded for the rest of the encounter while he like <laughs> flails around, <laughs> missing every attack. And I think the best part about it is he's still mad about it, like literally eight years later. Uh, makes me really happy to know he's so upset about it, to be mm-hmm. honest. Uh, and I, I think that's a good RPG moment, you know, of like, this character now is not going to be the character that you pictured to yep. you or to anybody else at that table. And you're just going to have to roll with it, man. And mm-hmm. that's what he did. And it was, the character was funnier than I think he uh, wanted him to be, but I really liked him. Mm-hmm. I don't remember his name though. Sorry. <laughs> Too many and, characters. And Doug is asking that you leave Alex alone and <laughs> in, in leave Brittany alone fashion. <laughs> Okay, I mean, well, when he gets on the stream, I'll leave him alone. (laughs) Absolutely, yep. We'll have said nothing about good things, or nothing but good things about him. Yes. When he shows up in chat, yeah. So, unfortunately, now that that we've had a good story, we, of course, have to, uh, we, of course, have to sink the ship a little bit, because while we share the table with all kinds of great people, some of them become our best friends in the whole wide world, uh, some of them we just don't click with, as we've heard about with your uh, your first GM there. Um, yeah. So if you have a that guy story that you are comfortable sharing on the podcast, uh, now is the time. Go for it. Okay. Okay, I got a question. How would you feel about a board game story instead? Is that is that, that okay? Work. Okay. I was playing Diplomacy 
which for the unfamiliar is a game. Uh, I think it's World War One. Um, you know, sort of uh, uh, this war game where you take a turn and then everybody has 15 minutes to negotiate and talk about the game before the next turn happens and make alliances. And the game lasts about 12 hours. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I know that I'm currently drinking whiskey right now. Uh, but this guy I had not met before, uh, just showed up with like a, you know, entire handle of Jack, which nobody else drank, uh, by the way. <laughs> and he showed up. I don't know his name. I only know that he played Austria and we just called him Austria the rest of the night. And he, he came in, uh, basically every Gary gamer stereotype that you can imagine this man was, I don't think I need to get into that. And then, uh, just the whole game, man. He was super abrasive. He got really upset with anybody that uh, like screwed him over in any way. And then six hours in, he fell asleep on the couch with an empty bottle of Jack. <laughs> and we just <laughs> like, well, okay, bye, buddy. And then he woke up and Austria was gone. And then uh, he lumbered out. I never saw him again. Uh, now, was this at a convention or like? This was at my... Uh, best friend's house at the time uh and he just had i was just one of the people he invited because it's okay. i don't know how many i think it's like an eight person game mm -hmm. so whenever you get an eight person game somebody there is going to be someone you'd never hang out with normally yeah. <laughs> just because you need to fit somebody at the table mm -hmm. uh yeah so it was it was at my best friend's house it was fine it was mm -hmm. fine he didn't break anything yeah, absolutely uh, i've been pretty lucky man you know with west march um I think we ended up going through 50 players total. We had about 30 active players mm -hmm. and none of them were very, I don't know. A few of them were a little strange as we all are. Um, but no one was uh, mean or mean spirited that showed up. I really haven't had that many bad experiences, but I've only been to one convention also. So I'm sure it will come. Uh, there's a story I'll tell you off mic, uh, but yeah. All good. So this is the last of our introductory questions. This one has flummoxed a lot of people. Uh, and I'll tell you, the answer can be as philosophical or as sophomoric as you want it to be. Okay. If you could put anything on a t-shirt, what would it be? I really like wraparound t-shirts. I wish the <laughs> like um, technology was more readily available for that type of thing. Mm -hmm. Um but I just give me something crazy, cool watercolor looks uh, and wrap it around the whole shirt, man. And that's it. Without it being tie dye. You're imagining like a tie dye shirt right now. Don't imagine that. Imagine like real glossy finish, like star field almost, you know, um, that's that's all I have. <laughs> that's all I have. <laughs> I don't know what I'd put on a T-shirt. That's it. Gotcha. Print it. Absolutely. Gibson Taylor wants to ask hypercolor. Hypercolor. Ooh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Perhaps what if it only No, never mind. Let's not be mean to colorblind people. Let's not be mean to colorblind people. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So when it comes to uh, you know, playing Savage Worlds, playing Deadlands, uh, how did that come about? And then from there how did the idea come about of let's do an actual play podcast? Totally. Uh, my brother Isaac, once again, um, ran a Deadlands Reloaded game. 
many years ago. Uh, it was one of my favorite games I've ever played in. It was very short. Um, and I was just super intrigued. We grew up with Westerns and like, uh, I mean, if you look at the collection of VHS, the libraries had in the late nineties, mm-hmm. it was like war movies and Westerns. Yeah. And so we watched a lot of Westerns and then watched every Western at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just really enjoyed that theme. And then adding that with uh, Monsters was really cool. I really enjoyed the Savage World system. Uh, acing, I know other systems do it, but I would say Savage Worlds is known for it, right? Mm. I mean, oh, yeah. um, so I would say that game brought me in and really hooked me. Um, and then my brother Isaac introduced me to uh, the One Shot uh, podcast and then the Campaign podcast, which are both uh, Campaign was run by Cat Cool and One Shot's run by... Uh, James D'Amato, who now runs Campaign as well. Um, and I was so inspired by their GMing. Like, I remember listening to them and going, this is impossible. What they're doing is incredible, and I wish I could do this. And then I just spent many years trying to copy them. Um, and then when we were sort of in the middle of West March, uh, my friend Cameron Day, uh, we were all hanging out drunk at 3 a.m., and... Uh, you know, I brought up the idea of it would be cool to do a podcast like that, but I don't know what I'm doing and I don't have the time. And he was like, well, obviously you have the time you're running three to four games a week for, you know, four to eight hours. And then you're working full time. Like you could do it if you stopped doing West March. Um, and I'd been kind of playing around with audio editing stuff for a few years before that, just for fun projects. Um, and there's also this quote that's been really inspirational to me. Um, I don't remember his last name, but his first name's Lewis. Um, and he said, if you look at something and you think I could do better than that, you should just do it, you know? And I think when you look at, um, it's very nice that podcasting is so inclusive and anybody can do it and anybody can just upload their stuff online. Uh, but I spent a lot of time trying to find shows that I thought were as high quality as those two shows were. Mm-hmm. And there was not a lot of options and that frustrated me. And there were even less shows that weren't trying to be comedic. There weren't a lot of shows that were trying to be dramatic, mm-hmm. which is how we play at the table. Like it's still funny, but that's what I inspire to be. So um, we started that. We talked about game systems. Uh, we were super into Savage Worlds at the time. I said, let's bring back Deadlands. Cause I've, tried to get my brother to run deadlands for years and years and years before we started this i run another game of it so um we started that up and then we landed pretty quickly on the brother's idea and uh yeah and that was two and a half years ago yeah and just that that notion of you know you guys are your, your characters are brothers who are trying to get to the bottom of uh the the murder of their mother it's a very western idea and it's it's yeah. really kind of a stroke of brilliance, uh, kind of right out of that that old Western movie playbook of you have all these characters with this one central thing that ties them together, having to work together towards this goal, even though they don't get along with each other. Yeah, man. Uh, something Rob Stiff from the Orpheus Protocol said was, your story should be about your characters. And that's another thing that actual plays... Um, I feel like a lot of them miss the mark should be about your character and the interaction with the characters that they know Mm -hmm. instead of here's a few adventurers thrown into a story, which is, which is fine for a table game. But if you're telling, if you're trying to tell a compelling story, I think that's, 
that's pretty necessary. Um, and then growing up uh, with brothers, you know, it just sort of seemed natural to us. We grew up with Sons of Katie Elder. There was a terrible remake, uh, Four Brothers, uh, that came out, hmm. I would say recently, but it's probably 2000s at this point. Uh, and yeah, we just, we got into it that way. And uh, I think every game I do um, from now on is pretty much, hey, here's where your characters start. Here's kind of who they are. You can figure out everything else you want, but this is going to be their living situation. This is going to be the, kind of the people they know and then let people figure it out from there. And I think it helps players too to have that focus. And then um, without the benefit of like Powered by the Apocalypse playbooks, it also gives them another reason to build connections with other party members that maybe they wouldn't if you didn't give them that opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Elfie would like to remind everyone out there that the 2000s are, in fact, still recent, um, <laughs> despite that being two decades ago. <clears throat> well, 2019 was five years ago. Yes, so. yes, absolutely. Or at least five crises ago. <laughs> at least. And so, I mean, one thing that I, I really just want to, you know, applaud you and your uh, your players for is, you know, having the dedication to something like Deadlands, one thing that I've discovered in trying to get people to play Deadlands is the idea of a Western game is kind of a novelty to a lot of players. They're like, oh, that would be fun once. And then you do it and they're like, okay, cool. And then if you try to do it again, they're like, fantasy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel that, man. Everybody, every game I've ever run that is in fantasy, people are like, well, this is cool, but, you know, I kind of want a sword. Uh, so I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know what the obsession with it um, is. Uh, I had a conversation about it recently, which gave me no insight at all. Um, but yeah, there's a lot you can do with it. There's uh, And there's kind of untapped potential, too, you know. Um, I kind of like where Westerns are now where you have, uh, I mean, Quentin Tarantino is the best example or um, modern Clint Eastwood stuff is so much the antithesis of what Westerns are. You know, they've gone full circle from uh, John Wayne shooting, you know, black hatted cowboys into just uh, a deconstruction of morality, which is what I kind of think is interesting about Westerns is it's a, it's a very real way to talk about uh, death and law and justice and uh, all these themes that uh, feel closer because everyone has guns and people are kind of talking like people do feels closer than fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, but the other the other thing that's uh, kind of underplayed about it is like fantasy, there are so many common tropes you can pull out, which immediately give everyone the same shared mental image, which is really, really important. If you play, mm-hmm. if you're creating your own world and, you know, your 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 cars are uh, like hover bikes that are run by scarabs you know it's hard for people to kind of uh wrap their heads around that but if you just say covered wagon 
everyone knows what a covered wagon is you know mm -hmm. everybody knows how a horse is there's so many things you can describe that will uh, immediately get into people's imaginations the same way that fantasy does mm -hmm. uh, and deadlands has the advantage of like man there's so much you could do i mean we haven't even touched uh rail barons we haven't gotten super into any of the ghost rock stuff um we haven't gotten into like shamanism at all. We haven't gotten into uh, the agency stuff much. Um, it's a big world, man. It's mm -hmm. a big world. Yeah. And, and I mean, one thing I, I continue to applaud Shane for, and one thing that he and I have talked about a couple times on the show, um, just kind of the, the way that he's turned history on its head and, you know, very clearly he, he's a student of history and he paid attention to how it happened. And the, the, slight tweaks that he's made that have made things just kind of go off the rails as far as the meta plot of deadlands goes are are really kind of brilliant the idea that you know the 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 civil war continues on past 1865 and that's why there's all this crazy technology and there's this new fuel source of ghost rock and it, it it's, it's cool great, world building. juicy details, great world building, and I, I just love the world of Deadlands. But going off of what you said about, you know, a lot of that familiar iconography that people will immediately latch onto and, and have the same image of, um, I mean, like you said, westerns are full of that stuff. You can describe the saloon door swinging open and a silhouetted figure standing in the doorway and immediately people you know you've conveyed the image that you want to convey with just a few words or the idea of a standoff in the town square yeah yeah and there's plenty of plays on it too uh like you know back to the future three springs to mind or uh i don't know i agree with you on the world building man uh we i've tried really hard as a goal to establish as much of the deadlands world as i can and like slowly introduce the players the characters and the audience at the same time to sort of this ramping up uh fantastical nature that's not a good word for it but of the world it's so out there i mean and even like the zombies are dripping with flavor you know the black regiment man so cool um and you get all this uh, American folklore. Uh, you get to have jackalopes and sasquatches and uh, all this other stuff that people are already familiar with. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree with you on the history too, man. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, I think if I had a better history education, maybe that would help out too. But, you know. Mm -hmm. Although history can be a, a hindrance to your game. And now I have to annoy my regular audience by retreading this story again but you know you're you've got uh some of your friends on here you've obviously not heard the story so here we oh, go man. again rolling bones regular boneheads uh the dead lands incident um so caleb just so you have some background this is the one time i've run dead lands for friends this was dead lands classic okay um because I didn't want to have to explain the Savage Worlds rule set and then explain Deadlands. I thought it would be easier just to do, here's Deadlands, it's the rules sure. and the story in the same book, on and on. But I was learning the system and initially trying to run it for about 
four or five players. Okay. Then other people in my regular gaming group got wind of me running this Western game, as they called it. Mm-hmm. And suddenly I have 10 players. Jesus. And uh, as Shane later told me in Deadlands, you should lead with monsters to to bring people into the deep historical details you want to tell. That's not what I did. <laughs> I tried to hook them with, hey, guys, have you ever heard of John Wesley Harden? <laughs> no. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. Oh, man. Uh, John Wesley Harden is uh, um, related to some of my best friends, the Hardens. Uh, oh. Yeah, he also makes an appearance. It sounds like Rose. He's very quickly uh, murdered, I think, or put in chains or something. But hmm. uh, And then I found out he had stats, and I didn't use those stats. Next time. Hmm. Next time. Uh, yeah, dude, never. Oh, my God. <laughs> never. I've run an eight-player game. That was a terrible mistake. And I was like, I'm never having more than six players a game. Ran a seven-player game. Horrible time. And then one of my friends, his first time GMing, he's like, what advice do you have? And I gave him my whole spiel. And then I was like, and never have more than six players. Maybe go with four your first time. Never have more than six. Mm -hmm. Showed it to his first game. Eight players, dude. (laughs) Eight players. (laughs) It was was not a good time. It's not a good time. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Don't do it, folks. Don't do it. Yep. And and uh, Gibson makes a good point about Ghost Rock being the small tweak in, in history and how its presence leads to so much of the changes. And, and Elfie wants to point out that she sees no problem with leading with the history. And Elfie, that's why we're married. Because... <laughs> It's it's cool if I lead with the history, but these guys, I'm like, okay, a little bit of background. It's 18, 1871 or 76, I believe, in the Deadlands classic days. The Civil War is continuing on to this day. Um, you guys are in Dodge City, Kansas, and you're on the trail of one of the most wanted murderers in, in history, John Wesley Harden. And the idea that they're in uh, Dodge City means nothing to them. Wyatt Earp shows up means nothing to them. Oh, no. (laughs) No. That's not great. (laughs) And to make matters worse, I had a player who was a wanted criminal and a player who was a bounty hunter. They were all, instead of doing the one-shot thing of, you all already know each other, let's get to the good stuff... I did the you meet in a saloon because I wanted to do that because it's you meet in a tavern, but Western. Yeah. And immediately the bounty hunter was like, he's wanted. I'm going to take him down. And it was it was about a half hour of PVP that was not going very well for the bounty hunter. Oh, well, okay, (laughs) dude. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sure that is not uh, a great story burned into your memory. It was a comedy of errors. It's okay. You live, you learn. Everyone's had bad sessions. And to cap it all off, one of the uh, ten players was someone's friend, uh, maybe girlfriend. I I don't exactly know the nature of their relationship. Uh, She she had very clearly been kind of sort of talked into it and was like, oh, yeah, playing around, pretending to be cowboys. That sounds like fun. 
and she was yeah. just not into it at all. Yeah, it's okay. Have you had a, have you had a player fall asleep at the table? Yes, I have. Okay, cool, <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, I've had a player get blackout drunk. Um, okay, well, that's a Friday night. You know, that's <laughs> we played on Tuesdays at the time, though. That that was the thing. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> so. Say you are talking to a new listener about, you know, your show. How would you hook them on Sounds Like Crows? What's your elevator pitch for the show? My elevator pitch is that, uh, man, I may have I may have already hit all of my talking points. I'm sorry. Uh, It's like it's a story about conflict. Mm -hmm. It's about inner party conflict. That's what I find the most interesting is that there are five people that are very committed to creating a large interlocking backstory between all of them that we try to slowly reveal. And uh, it's really fun for me just to sit back at the table and have them argue with each other for 20 minutes until I need to arbitrate a role where one of them needs to punch each other, you know? Um, uh, That's great. Um, if you've never played Savage Worlds or Deadlands, which if you're listening to this, you know, you probably have. Uh, it's a great introduction to that. I think we've done a good job laying out the rules. And the introduction to Deadlands is something I'm I'm really proud of. Um, I'd say, I mean, get to episode four. And if you're not hooked by episode four, then you're not going to like our show. Um, I think it's uh, very much a Western. I think it's anti-heroes and... Oh, man, I love those guys. It's the best game I've ever played in or run. Um, and I've been, it's been a long time. I love these characters. Give it a shot. That's awesome. all. Um, also, I guess we are involved in the Deadlands Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, very shortly, we're going to be releasing uh, uh, four episodes, I believe, um, which will just be a one shot with the same cast um, using some of the new rules some maybe not the new rules that we messed up or either didn't have mm-hmm. um and i think that would be a pretty good introduction to our style and the level of production that our our show has i'm really excited for when those come out mm-hmm. so. yeah i mean that's that uh deadlands kickstarter campaign is how i uh found out about you guys and i mean Doing my work. question my question would be how did that uh like how did that union come about how how did uh, did pinnacle reach out to you did you reach out to pinnacle how how that how that go well, uh, we were invited to Genghis Khan by the Rocky Mountain Savage Savages. Shout out, uh, you two. Um, and uh, we sort of went out. We hung out with them. And there was like a, uh, like a Friday night get-together sort of thing. And uh, uh, Chris was like, hey, you guys, you got to meet Shane. You got to meet Shane. And so he literally called Shane out of his hotel room. And I don't think <laughs> Shane was particularly pleased about <laughs> getting pulled out of his hotel room at 11 o'clock at night but uh he came down we talked for a few minutes and he was like hey you should run a game for me sometime and i was like oh yeah man that'd be sweet and then uh a few months later i got an email that said hey we're doing this kickstarter um want you, want you to be a part of it and then um i haven't been able to talk about it for like a year and now here we are so um mm-hmm. yeah they very graciously uh hit us up and sponsor the episodes and um we got to see some of the new rules, which listening back, we totally screwed up new dueling. I'm so sorry, Shane, uh, but that's fine. It's fine. Um, 
sure everybody makes those mistakes at the table. We're just a game, you guys. We're just playing a game. Absolutely. Now, you mentioned the Rocky Mountain Savages. Are you uh, thinking about potentially going out to Deadwood in September? I can't, man. I can't. Um, We thought about it. We also miss their crews, the Savage crews. It's fine. Um, You know, I just... I'm just a working class dude, man. I don't yeah. have that much money for vacation, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, generally, it's sort of reserved for uh, uh, me and my wife doing stuff, and my wife does not want to go to Deadwood, <laughs> <laughs> which is understandable, completely understandable. Mm-hmm. So maybe one day. Yeah, I'm. I'm planning on going to Deadwood. Uh, I. I kind of gave the pitch to my wife about coming with me uh again uh elfie has no interest in <laughs> in going out to the desert uh to to play deadlands and and you know do she doesn't like people so Which, to be fair like that's the correct opinion to have you yeah. know <laughs> like <laughs> uh. But yeah, man, that is what it is. One of these days, they throw so many events. I'm real jealous seeing all their videos, but at least they're having fun. I do. I need to get. I need to get them on the show so we can talk about. Uh, so we can talk about Deadwood because I'm I'm super jazzed about that event. If there have been so many cons where I was like, all right, 2020 is the year. I'm going to go to all these different cons, and then all these different yeah. cons get canceled. Yeah. It's brutal, man. We were thinking about doing Gen Con this year, which we were probably too late to sign up for anyway, but I feel similarly. Sucks. Whole well, yeah, world and they, shut down. They took Gen Con entirely online this year, so Yeah, I'm not I'm not about that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, folks at Gen Con. I don't know any of you personally, but mm-hmm. why would I do that? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I, I run both of my D&D games online now, which I already don't like. My job is, uh, my, my job involves video conferencing. I do this podcast. I have enough looking at my webcam, talking into my microphone in my life. I don't need conventions to be that as well. Yeah, totally. I feel that for sure. Hmm. Um, but we'll keep going to Genghis Khan. I mean, it's uh, it's local, so it's super easy for us. Um, mm-hmm. and that's been fun, but one of these years we'll make it out to something else. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one. Genghis Khan is one that I definitely need to make the trip out for because um, I, I believe. I, yeah, I, I'm, in fact, I'm, I'm pretty certain that's one that Carl routinely does. So have you been able to get in on a Carl Kiesler game? I have not. I'm pretty sure uh, I did meet him. I did meet him on that same night I met Shane. I uh, uh, very ignorantly did not know who he was and then came home and went, oh, okay. Yeah, that makes, <laughs> yeah, makes sense. Uh, no, I haven't. I was really bad about playing con games, to be honest. Uh, the first time we went, uh, we tried to do a bunch, but then it snowed and it was just really terrible to get to games in general. And then the second time, we didn't even sign up for any games. It was Valentine's Day weekend, which was kind of a problem for a lot of us to to figure out with work schedules and stuff. And then uh, we showed up and are just hung out with our good friends Doug and Allie all weekend, and really just hung out with them. We we uh yeah we kind of dipped out of the convention a few days early, just to hang out with them. But it was it was a good time. Next year we'll be more on the ball and everybody will be able to show up before, you know, Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> it's cool. 
Looks like Master Malicious says, hey there, friendos. Uh, hello, Master Malicious. Hey, buddy. How are you? Uh, that's that's good old Marshall. It's gotcha. Marshall. He, he's one of the players. Absolutely. But yeah, uh, Carl, I had a similar uh, encounter where I was completely ignorant of who Carl is. Uh, only mine was online. Um, he... He followed me on Instagram because I, I post, you know, minis that I paint. And I was just like, oh, this this uh, this guy followed me. And so I saw his Instagram page. and I was like, oh, yeah, he, he paints minis, too. That's cool. And then I'm flipping through my uh, suede book. And at the, at the very title page, as I'm getting ready to do my review on this podcast, I go, Carl, Ke- Carl Kiesler. <laughs> follow me on instagram <laughs> that's great and so yeah. i look and i'm like that yeah that's him and so i immediately shoot a message i'm like hey i just figured out who you are you want to come on the show it's cool and it turns out that carl keesler may in fact be my id made manifest in human form <laughs> why do you say that well, I mean, we, we started talking and we'd never really had a conversation before, but we immediately yeah. land on my two favorite movies, that being Sin City and Tombstone. Wow. And he's talking about this Sin City game that he did in Savage Worlds and how, you know, he ran it at a convention. And then, you know, he has his own company, uh, uh, Doghouse Rules, which they, they do this uh, Savage Worlds game called tra- Trailer Park Shark Attack, which is totally. Florida with, like, Sharknado stuff, and it, it's it's amazing, uh, and, and Carl is truly a visionary in, in the realm of running, <laughs> running RPGs. And I've seen some of the materials that he does for his players. Shane told me that he did a star Wars game where the character sheets were like uh, Kenner blister packs from the action figures. So I'll look it up. I'll look it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Next time at, at Genghis Khan, hopefully I'll be there too, but hopefully we can get it on, on a Carl game. That'd be dope. I think next time too, I just need to sign up earlier. You know, I didn't, I'm just bad at conventions. I don't understand how they work. No one's told me how they works. No one I know goes to these things. So we're just, uh, just got to muddle through it every time. But yeah, that would be pretty cool for sure. I know the only conversation I had with Shane in person, he was pretty happy about that game, that trailer park shark game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah ab- absolutely. And, uh, well, I mean, the one conversation I had with Shane was me trying to impress him with the fact that I put John Wesley Harden in my game. And uh, he was like, well, good luck with that. And I should have taken that as a warning. (laughs) This is not going to go over well with my players. But then then he showed up on the podcast twice and, and we had some great conversations. So, hey. You know, you win some, you lose some. That's what I always say, you know? Yeah. just happens. Man. Mm-hmm. And it looks like uh, looks like Marshall is not doing well in Apex Legends, um, which as someone who's played Apex Legends approximately five times, I'm, I'm right there with you. Marshall. <laughs> yeah, I'm on the same page with you, buddy. Mm-hmm. Same page for sure. I don't do uh, 
The only multiplayer games I play are board games and Dungeons and Dragons and, and other tabletop RPGs. That's yeah, that's what I do. Yeah, I really enjoy the single player aspect of video games these days. You know, it's like the one thing where I don't have to interact with other people. And it's like, I'm not going to muddy that by doing these multiplayer experiences, you guys. Come yeah. on. I just want to relax. Yeah, I, I very much view video games as movies that I'm controlling. And so when it comes to multiplayer stuff, especially multiplayer multiplayer stuff that doesn't have story, at that point, I'm like, What's the point? I'll just play D&D. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're on the same page. We're on the same page. So I guess uh, instead of being bad at Apex Legends, Marshall, just stop playing, man. Just yeah. quit. Just quit. Yeah. Just quit. I'm sure that's not the first time you've heard that in your life. Just quit. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, now, Marshall, I have not tried Red Dead Online yet. Um, mm. I have played Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, fun game. Um, I've heard mixed things about Red Dead Online, but I, I am down to give that a try. Give it a try together. You got PS4? We'll, we'll talk about it later. I am a PC gamer, so. Okay. Sorry, Marshall. You're out, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And yes, Doug, it is savage because this is a savage world. Oh, oh, got it. Got it. Watch this, dude. That was a dab. Is that dated yet? Is that dated? I don't know. I'm going to get up and floss here in just a second. <laughs> and by floss, I, of course, mean clean the remnants of dinner from between my teeth. <laughs> because I don't know how to do that dance. And I don't yeah. care to learn. Yeah. Why would you? Why would you? I'm I'm 24 going on 40, so... <laughs> <laughs> It would be cool to be able to uh, dance, not like a complete idiot, but, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Uh, instead, I'll spend my time learning card tricks, because I'm sure that's cooler. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Close up magic. Yeah, it's way cooler. <laughs> Everybody talks about the coolest people in the world, and they all fucking know close up magic, okay? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Step one. Step one. <sighs> Elfie, if we weren't married, I'd boot you. Uh-oh. <laughs> Trouble in paradise. Cha-cha <laughs> slide. The cha-cha slide is one of those things that triggers me, and I can't explain why. I just don't like it. What does it say if I don't know what that is? <laughs> what does it's, that say? <laughs> it's that song that says slide to the left, slide to the right, that plays uh, in every single wedding, family reunion bar mitzvah whatever it is that brings people together that has a dance floor that song's always playing yeah i can picture it now you're right that seems justifiable and it, there's something in my core that just i well for one thing i don't like being told what to do mm. and i feel like dancing should just be a thing that happens it's just kind of spontaneous and if you're yeah. good you're good and if you're bad then you're like 95% of the population don't tell me how to do the dance. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm on board with you for sure. Unless you're ballroom dancing or like tap dancing or, you know, <laughs> yeah. but I agree. I agree. Yeah. Well, I am definitely looking forward to getting my, uh, my Deadlands, the weird West Kickstarter, uh, not the least of which, so I can, uh, put these guys on the table. 
I've got some uh, some miniatures here. Those of you who are listening on audio uh, will not benefit from this, but you can follow me at Howard underscore Ryan Gregg on Instagram and see these guys. Uh, but I've got these uh, these Western minis from uh, uh, Knuckle Duster Miniatures that are basically the cast of Tombstone and a few others. But I've got I've got Sam Elliott here. Man beautiful i think uh something i'm sad about doing our show is we don't get to play with minis and mm-hmm. savage worlds is such a good minis game yes it does it so well mm-hmm. uh, i just don't get the opportunity but just the whole like uh you know knock the mini over for shaken is crazy like i ran a game with minis and i hadn't for a long time recently mm-hmm. i guess it was a year ago by recently but ran it with 30 enemies and it was over in like 30 to 45 minutes it mm-hmm. was crazy and that's not even like if you tried to do that in fifth edition i would there would be no descriptions i would be just head feverishly in a book trying to make sure i track damage you know um mm-hmm. So very cool, very cool from that aspect. Mm-hmm. One day when the world is back together, you'll be able to use those minis, man. Absolutely. One day. Gibson and Marshall are now trying to trigger me with uh, the Cha Cha Slide defenses of the Cha Cha Slide, as well as <laughs> as well as mentioning the Hokey Pokey. I'm sure that's just out of spite. Ignore yeah. them, you know. You do you even dance? Do you do you even dance? I don't think so. I don't think so. The only dance I do is the lawnmower. <laughs> I do the the shopping cart. Mm-hmm. That's what I do. Absolutely. There is, from my days of acting, there is a YouTube video of a, uh, a Wild Wing Cafe commercial that I believe aired a few times late at night of me uh, at my heaviest dancing and... It's simultaneously one of the best and worst things out there of me. I'm both proud and ashamed of it. And I will put the link in the description (laughs) so everyone can watch me embarrass myself. I got paid a good amount of money to embarrass myself, but I embarrassed myself. Damn. People saw it on television. I mean, if you're getting paid, though, you know, like, what are they going to say? Somebody makes fun of you, you could be like, I got paid for it, man. Yeah. What do you want from me? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, Caleb, thank you for uh, for coming on the show. This has been great. Uh, You know, your your players here have been uh, fantastic on the show. I, I, you know, I love reaching out to other people who love these games that we play and, you know, who create this content especially for something like Deadlands, which really is only now getting its due in the content world. So, uh, you know, I I thank you guys for putting out good quality stuff, and I look forward to, uh, you know, hearing what you release uh, with the uh, the Kickstarter stuff. Thanks, man. I'm real excited. Um, uh, If you're you're looking to find that, it should not be very hard. Um, At some point, it'll be on Pinnacle's website. I assume it will be an email. Um, If it's not on either of those, you can go to soundslikecrows.com or do soundslikecrows, spelled like Russell Crow with an E. Um, So, yeah, check it out. But either way, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Um, And uh, Gibson Taylor, thank you for the follow. 
Um, so what I like to do at the end of the episode, uh, just, uh, just, you know, g- give you the opportunity to, you know, anything that you've got to promote, uh, obviously, you know, with the, the content coming out now, uh, there, there's some stuff, but just anything you want to talk about promote right now, it is, uh, your floor. Go ahead and do it. I do a second show. It's called Omen's Call. It's a D and D fifth edition. Um, I think we're like 10 episodes in, uh, it's releasing every other week. So, uh, if, if you like me, don't have a lot of time for podcasts. I think, uh, it's a good show for you. Uh, it's dramatic like crows is, um, I'm really excited to run a level three to level 20 game and really, uh, like play out the scale of that in a way that's satisfying. I've never, uh, run a game where, you know, players are fighting gods at the end of a campaign and I'd like it to get there. Hmm. Um, so if you want to be along for that ride from the beginning, check it out. I think it's pretty cool. Uh, and then, yeah, sounds like crows. We've talked way too much about, uh, I'm on Twitter at Marshall Caleb. Uh, yeah, that's, that's it. Uh, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, guys, that is going to do it for today's episode. Uh, Obviously, this Saturday, join us at 9 a.m. CDT for Danishes and Dragons. Uh, The topic is is TBD right now, uh, both on the gaming side and on the breakfast side. Uh, Caleb and, and, you know, your... My new follower, uh, Gibson, and all you guys, if you are up at 9 a.m. Central, I do a morning show where I talk about both gaming and breakfast called Danishes and Dragons. It's a ton of fun. You guys should come hang out. Uh, But next week on Rollin' Bones, uh, we are going to uh, bring back John Hambone McGuire from the Vintage RPG Podcast. Uh, He and I not only share the common bond of RPGs, but the common bond of wrestling. And we are going to talk about one of the worst wrestling RPGs that was ever released. WWF or WWE know your role. (laughs) You can see from this cover. It's abysmal. Bob Holly is on the cover of this book. That should tell you just about everything you need to know about it. Um, I'm excited for this episode. It's going to be fantastic. All of you wrestling fans and all of you RPG fans should check this out. Uh, But until then, whether you rolled a 1 or a 20, or as I say with Savage Worlds people, whether your uh, dice exploded or you came up snake eyes, I'm so glad that you rolled your bones with me, Ryan Howard, and I'll see you next time. Let's be doing the play out music. Hey everyone, Ryan Howard here. Just wanting to remind you all that now, instead of just listening to the podcast every Saturday morning, you can join us live on Monday nights at 8 p.m. Central on Twitch to watch and listen to my interviews each week. I'll also be doing a Saturday morning show called Danishes and Dragons, where I discuss both D&D campaigns and my favorite breakfast foods and coffees. I look forward to seeing each and every one of you, and you can find links to Twitch and YouTube in the show notes page. I hope you enjoy today's episode, and thank you very much for listening.